When a celebrity dies, it's easy to wonder, why am I grieving? Sadness can be expected, but if you never knew this person, why such a deep emotional response? It's deep because, like family and friends, they've actually left an impression on your life without needing to even know you exist. A song they sang, a sport they played, a TV show, or a movie they were in. These things are attached to memories in your real life. This countdown of celebrity deaths is even more devastating because it wasn't just losing someone we were a fan of, it was someone ripped from us in a horrific way. And when I reveal who landed at number one, you'll all gasp knowing how shocking their murder was to the whole world. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 shocking celebrity assassinations. So two huge celebrity deaths in my world, in particular at least, were definitely David Bowie, and Chester Bennington, as I'm sure you know. Oh, definitely. Uh, David Bowie, I remember this so vividly because it was reported that he had passed away and it was in the middle of the night where I was. And I was nine months pregnant with twins. Yup. I literally sobbed in bed and woke John up to wail at him that David Bowie was gone. <laughs> like, just shook him awake, crying out loud. Aww. He thought I was sleepwalking. But unfortunately, it was very real. Do you remember the day that Tom Petty Ugh, died and I was at I? your house also sobbing? I sure do. I cried my eyes out. And I remember, too, it was like a trick because at first I thought he hadn't died because mm -hmm. some news outlets were like, no, no, he's still alive. He's in the hospital. And then other ones were like, Tom Petty dead at this time. And I was like, but what do I believe? I don't know. And, you, and that happens a lot with these celebrity deaths. It They'll does. report that they died and then it gets taken back and... You don't know what to believe. And you know what? In this list, obviously, we're going to talk about celebrities who died as a result of crimes. Um, but I think it's just like, I think the crime aspect kind of makes it worse in a way. Yeah, like, it, it It's does. always really sad. Like, obviously, the ones we just talked about weren't necessarily crimes. But like, I think the crime just like mixes with the celebrity of it all. And that creates some kind of like crazy sensationalized aspect to it that just takes it to a different level. Yeah, it definitely does. I'm somebody that gets really invested yeah. in like celebrities in general, but also when it's mixed with the true crime mashup. Yeah, you love that. Actually, with that being said, a few of the people on this list I've covered on Morbid yep. or have on my list to cover in the future. Yeah. And I know like I know just obviously my side of the list has a ton of big names that I think Pretty much everyone's going to recognize at least one person, but probably all of them. Oh yeah, same here. But you guys will have to stay tuned to find out who we each have. Elena has five celebrity assassinations, and so do I, but neither of us knows who the other one has. Let's start the countdown. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, Jam Master J. 
Jason Mizell, stage name Jam Master J, was a musician and DJ, best known for being in the group Run DMC. He was fatally shot on October 30th, 2002 in a recording studio in Queens. Charges for the murder weren't officially filed until 18 years later. Dude, that's so crazy. Isn't it wild? It is. As a part of Run DMC, Jam Master J helped bring rap and hip hop into the mainstream. As reported by NPR, the group's third album, Raising Hell, which featured hits It's Tricky, My Adidas, and Walk This Way, was the first rap album to go platinum and then triple platinum status. And um, I think everyone knows those songs. I was just going to say, number one, that's yeah. amazing. And number two, I'm having a really hard time not singing them and like getting like us into copyright trouble right now. Right? It's so hard, <laughs> especially when you hear like tricky. When you hear It's Tricky, yeah. all I want to do is scream that at you. That's the first one that as soon as I saw it, I I'm playing it in my head right Me now. Me too, over and over. Yeah. Well, Mizell also founded his own record label that discovered artists including 50 Cent. Did you? <laughs> what? Did you just say 50 Cent? The yeah, way, it says the, 50 Cent. The way that you enunciated that. Oh, it, it says 50 Cent. It's 50. Isn't it? It's fi- I'm not saying. I'm not saying 50 Cent. It's 50. There, I said it. <laughs> it's 50 Cent. No, um, it's not. At a press conference announcing the charges against two men, The acting U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York said back in October of 2002, the gunman, quote, walked in and murdered him in cold blood and that one of the men, and this is nuts, even hugged Mizell before opening fire. Dude, I never knew that. Yeah, so clearly they knew each other. And how sinister is that, that you walk up and hug a man that you know you're about to shoot? That's no, like, that's dark. That gave me, like, goosebumps. That's not even, that's just, like, you don't have a soul. No, that's not cool. So, apparently, Mizell was involved in transporting cocaine, and an argument led to him cutting out other people involved, which is why they killed him. hmm There were also five or six witnesses in the studio, but it still took this long for arrests. So, apparently, no one was going to snitch here. Yeah, I feel like with cases like this, it's so hard, especially in the music industry. I know, because at first you want to be like, how can you sit there and watch something like that happen and not say anything? But it's like scary. It is. Like that's a scary, so I can I can see why it took so long. It's like frustrating, but it's because there's a lot you, more to the situation. You have to cover your own butt, unfortunately, like when it comes to something like this and you don't want to get killed. Man, who knows if these witnesses have like families that they're trying to protect, you know, like you, you gotta, it, it's it's terrible, but, but you it's gotta like take care of yours. there's so much involved in this that you can't just look at it in a black and white kind of way and just be like, oh, you got to say something. I'm so glad that you actually had the same opinion as me because, you know, it's a little bit of a controversial opinion to have. It is. One might say it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> of course you should tell. But it's like there's a lot more levels to it. Yeah. And I can't say I totally am going to like be like, mur, 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 yeah, and I don't people. think you know what you would do unless you were faced with that situation. Of course not. It's really hard to say. Uh, according to the New York Times, officials briefly pursued the theory that the killing stemmed from a grudge against rapper 50 Cent, but that theory was completely ruled out. Mm. I but didn't even know. I also didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that was a theory. The district attorney stated in that press conference, quote, We started investigating that case a very long time ago, in the early 2000s, but there were a lot of challenges in bringing that case. For the crime of murder, the passage of time offers you no escape. And that is very true. Very true and very deep. Both accused killers pleaded not guilty. The case was the center of a 2018 episode of the Netflix documentary series Remastered that included scrutiny of law enforcement's lack of urgency in solving the case. His murder was basically the end of Run DMC, who are now inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's so sad that that was like the end of Run DMC. I know, and it seems like he could have done a lot more. Oh, so talented. He did so much already, and he could have gone so much further. Yeah, I agree with that. Nine. At number nine is actor and comedian Phil Hartman. Hartman was well known for his work on Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, and the sitcom News Radio, but his amazing comedic talents were overshadowed by tragedy when in May 1998, his wife Bryn fatally shot him three times around 3 a.m. in their bedroom. I remember this so vividly when it happened. I can't say the same, but- No, and that makes sense, because you were two. 
Yep. And but I remember it was all it was on every news station. I remember they were like outside his house. I like those images are like burned in my brain. Actually, my boyfriend Drew was like obsessed with Phil Hartman, so that's why I know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, Phil Hartman was one of those comedians who was beloved by so many and was looked at as such a nice guy. Two factors that seemed to level up the tragic nature of it all. Oh yeah. I remember me and Ma used to watch news radio all the time. Well, you watch these people and like we said in the beginning, like they resonate with you and you feel like they're they're kind of like everyday people. Like yeah. I could see Phil Hartman as just like an everyday kind of guy. Oh, he gave off like such a like he gave off such a good guy energy. Yeah, like he a, really a did. friendly vibe. And he was so funny. So funny. I know. While sources close to the family had differing accounts of what led to this happening. Some said that it came as a complete shock, but others said that there were clues. And there were several factors that put tension in Phil and Bryn's lives and their relationship. While his career took off, she didn't get as much of the spotlight. Bryn had also moved to LA to become a model and an actress, and it was kind of like things weren't really working out for her. So the dynamic shifts. Right. And Bryn's family also said that she long had an issue with cocaine. And some said that she had a bad temper and that this seemed like a, quote, shocking final burst of anger. That's a bad combination. Yeah, a bad temper and an issue with cocaine do not go hand in hand. No. Along with whatever underlying issues there may have been, there definitely was conflict, and no one knows the exact happenings of what went on that day. But what we do know is that around 10.15, Bryn went to her ex's house, had some drinks, and left. But then she came back to his house around 3.45 and said, I killed Phil. I don't know why. That is so spooky. Like, can you imagine your ex showing up at your door and being like, yeah, I just killed my husband and I don't know why? No. Or my boyfriend? I, I like, can't picture what? that. No. Now, realizing she had the gun, her ex took it from her, went to her and Phil's house and found Phil dead in the bedroom. And while calling 911, Bryn locked herself in the bedroom and took her own life next to Phil. <sighs> That's so much. It's just such a sad situation it all is. around. The Los Angeles County Medical Examiner determined that Bryn had a mixture of alcohol, cocaine, and Zoloft in her system. Not a great combo. A horrific combo. Yeah, like a deadly combo. And ABC reported a quote from a Hartman interview from 1998. I think in my old age, I've come to realize how precious everything is, and I try to value the many blessings that have been bestowed upon me. But there's also this sense of vulnerability if fortune took a turn for the worse, and that you live with the awareness that anything could happen in this world. That is so prophetic and like, oh, I know. I feel like that happens a lot with like cases like this. Yeah. It's like they, it almost felt like they saw like they it coming. Yeah. Some, something in them, like, because when you have interviews, that's the other thing with celebrities. You have interviews and footage. They give a lot of quotes. They have a lot of sound bites. They, they're talking about their thoughts all the time. Right. So you have all these quotes where it seems like they had some kind of like inkling that yeah. something bad was going to happen to them. Ugh, it's so creepy. It's really haunting. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of shocking celebrity assassinations is Marvin Gaye. He was a singer-songwriter-producer, famously known for helping shape the sound of Motown in the 60s. But on April 1st, 1984, the day before he turned 45, an argument with his father in their home in Los Angeles turned deadly for the Grammy winner. In the 60s and 70s, Marvin Gaye had a lot of hits, including I Heard It Through the Grapevine, Sexual Healing, Let's Get It On, and What's Going On. These are <gasps> classic. Such good songs. What's Going On is like one of my favorite songs. And I mean, everybody knows Let's Get It On. You're like, you oh, know that. Of course you, you know do. that. Who doesn't know that? We know all of those. And I Heard It Through the Grapevine is another awesome one. All of those are really great songs. Like we mentioned in number 10 with Run DMC, even if you aren't familiar with the artists, you've definitely heard these songs. They are absolutely ingrained in pop culture. Unless you live under a rock, you know this song. But move out of that rock and take a listen to <laughs> Sexual Healing, please. It'll change ya. But unfortunately, family drama is real no matter how famous you are. And it's speculated that the day of the shooting, Marvin's father had been yelling at Marvin's mother. And Marvin intervened, which then turned his father's attention to him. Marvin said he'd, quote, had enough of his crap and was going to mess him up. And apparently they started physically fighting. His mother broke up the fight, 
which is when his father ran and got a gun. His father opened fire. Marvin was shot twice, once in the heart and again in the shoulder. The first shot is the one that proved to be fatal. That's so sad. It's the saddest story. It's like it a really father is. and son, like, and then his oh, it's uh, horrific. Oh, the mom being there, just the whole dynamic. And he was trying to intervene between them. Like, it's so sad. Initially charged with first-degree murder, Marvin Gay Sr.'s charges dropped to voluntary manslaughter following a diagnosis of a brain tumor. He has since spoken about regretting what he did. Apparently, the gun his father had used was one Marvin had given him not long before the shooting. Oh, I didn't even know that either. There's so many little things with these like cases yes. that I just didn't even know. Exactly. And it, how morbid is that to think about? Excuse the, the pun there. <laughs> but about someone gifting you the weapon that you are later going to use to murder them. That is truly something to wrap your brain around. Wild. The LA Times reported that Marvin Gaye Sr. said at his sentencing, quote, If I could bring him back, I would. I was afraid of him. I thought I was going to get hurt. I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm really sorry for everything that happened. I loved him. I wish he could step through this door right now. I'm paying the price now. Marvin Gaye Sr. died in 1998 at age 83. And in 1987, Marvin Gaye was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Where he should be. So sad. Yeah, all around. Because obviously what the father did wasn't right. But I mean, a brain tumor can totally mess with yeah, your it's, head. It's literal for lack of a better tragedy term. from beginning to end. Seven. At number seven this week is Nicole Brown Simpson. Simpson was the ex-wife of former pro football player OJ Simpson before becoming the victim in one of the most infamous and shocking crimes in history, as we all know. On June 12, 1994, she was murdered at her home in Los Angeles. A murder OJ was arrested, charged for, and eventually acquitted of, also adding to the shock value. Now, we'll never know exactly what happened the night of the murders until the real killer decides to talk. Mm -hmm. Quote unquote. <laughs> but we do know that Nicole Brown Simpson was stabbed seven times in the neck and scalp area and that her throat was also slit. So bad. She also had defensive wounds on her hands, which is sad and so terrifying to think I about. I know that she tried to fight him off. Seriously. And the slit in her throat was so severe that it almost decapitated her. So whoever did this, did this in anger. Oh, that's so personal and so rage-filled. That kind of wound. somebody's throat. Yeah. I just can't even imagine. Now, her friend Ron Goldman was also found murdered near Nicole, lying in a pool of blood. OJ was quickly the prime suspect. And after running from police around LA, he gave himself up. You know that infamous white Bronco chase. Oh yeah, I was in fourth grade. I remember it being on the TV again. again <laughs> I remember most of these. Actually, I wasn't even alive for this yeah, one. Yeah, you were. That's crazy. <laughs> well, and so began one of the most notorious criminal trials in American history. OJ was eventually found not guilty in the criminal case, apparently due to mishandling of evidence. But it's like, that doesn't mean that he didn't do it. That just means that you did a bad job like, That's with the is. evidence. You just, that just means the LAPD did a bad job at their job. So like he should get in trouble and so should they. Everybody should get in trouble here. Ridiculous. Now, however, he was later sued by the victim's families for wrongful death in a civil case, which did find him liable, thankfully. As People Magazine stated in 2019, the double murder spawned nonstop news coverage, a slew of books, an Emmy award-winning miniseries, an Academy Award-winning documentary, and a change in the way America viewed the legal system and itself. Absolutely. Because the level of shock to this crime can be counted in the fact that it's a crime we report in the news during every anniversary. That's how you know the impact it had on people. That's true. That's a good way of like pointing to it as such like an iconic moment. Oh, yeah. When you are noting the anniversary of a crime, you know it's a huge one. Oh, yeah. That's when you know. You can also judge the level of shock by the fact when people are in LA, they'll still point to locations and be like, that's where the murder took place, or where OJ's house was, or the restaurant. Oof. And I don't know, I just, even if you're not old enough to like, like me, if you weren't born when it happened, you still know about it. Oh, there's no way you can't. It's ingrained in society, it's ingrained in culture, it's ingrained in all of the, everybody knows it. Literally everybody. Like my kids will know this crime and they were nowhere near 
around when this happened. Seriously. But when you were alive for it, even like I said, I was in fourth grade. Like I didn't, what did I know? Yeah, you were like fourth grade. But I remember vividly this trial. It was on 24 seven in our house. And then I remember the car chase. I remember that Bronco chase or that Bronco crawl. I should say like the (laughs) the slowest car chase you've ever watched. I was like, are they even trying? Are they accelerating? Are they moving? Or is the the landscape just shooting by them? I don't understand. Continue moving at a glacial pace. But it's truly, it's if even when you were young watching it, like you will never forget it. I remember like, the, what was the guy, Cato, the guy with the blonde oh, hair? Yeah. I yep. remember his testimonies. I remember all of it. It's crazy. I'm actually really surprised that this is only at number seven. Yeah, I'm a little scared to see what's number one. Same Six. Also on our list at number six is actress Rebecca Schaefer. Schaefer was best known for playing Patricia Patty Russell on the show My Sister Sam. On July 18, 1989, when she was just 21, she was fatally shot at her West Hollywood home by Robert John Bardo, who had stalked her for three years. Every murder is sad, but this one shook Hollywood because Rebecca Schaefer was so beloved and her career was really on the rise. Literally, the cliche phrase, cut down in her prime, can absolutely be used in this one. Oh, definitely. She 100%. Would have, she was about to get, like, a crazy role. I forget. I think it was, um, like, the Scarface movies. Actually, it's in here. Oh. The Godfather, Godfather Part 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert John Bardo was a 19-year-old kid who traveled from Arizona to California with the intent to stalk and kill the actress. So not exactly a stable human being. No. Here's the creep factor. He had hired a private investigator to locate her home address. Where is that private investigator now, by the way? I know. Some of the things that private investigators get hired to do, like, I'm like, can you refuse it, though? Like, can you, what reason did he give you for this? Yeah, and also that's a famous woman. Like, you can't. You should know that there's no real good reason that he wants that address. No. Well, of course there wasn't. When he got to her apartment in West Hollywood, they had an exchange... And then he left. And she was really, really sweet to him. I believe she signed something for yeah, him. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't she sign something? On that day, Rebecca Schaefer was waiting for a courier to deliver a script of The Godfather Part 3 so she could prepare for her audition for the film. That's huge. Mm-hmm. But that's why she opened the door to begin with. Like, she, she wouldn't just walk down and open the door for no reason. She was expecting this huge script for this huge opportunity that she was deservingly getting oh yeah and i remember reading about this by all accounts she was like pretty much gonna get that role yeah and that would have been huge like think about where she was in her career to be considered for a godfather role like the newest godfather that's like, movie are you kidding me that's bigger than huge yeah so this shows you when she was cut down it's oh, absolutely. so sad so bardo left after this initial exchange but then he came back he rang the doorbell again and this time when she opened the door he shot her in the chest. He was arrested shortly after this murder. Residents from her neighborhood easily identified him since he'd been seen walking around. And he had shown her pictures to neighbors asking if they had seen her. That's the creepiest thing I've ever heard. Wild. So during an interview in jail with a psychiatrist, the LA Times says Bardo stated, quote, it was a weird idea to know that I had killed somebody. Yeah, he's definitely very unwell. Yeah, one would say that is a that's a weird idea. I don't really know, know if that. I would call it weird. I think say, I would call it like anything else. Literally anything else. As people reported, her murder led to the launch of a national anti-stalking movement that still exists today. Currently, there are anti-stalking laws in every state. Plus, after the murder occurred in 1989, LA police created the first US team focusing on stalking investigations at least something positive came out of it because other than that it is such a tragedy but isn't it wild to think about that it was like 1989 like and it, it was took that it was almost the 90s and a young girl had to be murdered for anybody to do something about stalking and she had been stalked for three years before this and so many people at that time yeah. and way before that were being stalked absolutely and it, it should not take someone being murdered for action to be taken on these things no and actually they should have caught him way before because he had showed up um at 
universal, I, I think. I was going to say, on like a film set. On or a film something. set asking for her. Yeah, it's messed up. The fact that O.J. Simpson was number seven. Bananas. Like, <laughs> where where do we go from here? Turn all the lights down now. Because you have number one. Yeah, I do. So I assumed O.J. Simpson was number one. This is what I'm going to so tell you about number one. I'm going to tease you a little bit. Oh, tease it. You're going to be upset that I got it. Oh, interesting. Yes. And also, there's still somebody on this list that I'm waiting for. And I know that they're going to have to be like, really? I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be number two. Huh. I'm interested. Let's find out, I guess. Let's find out. Massive spiders, fierce crocodiles, violent kangaroos. With all of the dangers lurking within Australia, one species remains feared above the rest. Humans. Hi, listeners. It's Alastair from Parcast, and I'm hosting a new Spotify original called Crime Down Under. Every Sunday on Spotify, take a trip to the oldest continent for some of the most shocking true crime cases in modern history. Featuring a compilation of episodes from shows across Parcast Network, Crime Down Under exposes the vicious serial killers, mysterious disappearances, and terrifying crime families whose stories still stop Aussies dead in their tracks. From the beaches and deserts to the cities and suburbs, the land down under may be vast, but the horrors are hiding around every corner. Catch a new episode of Crime Down Under every Sunday. Listen free only on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of shocking celebrity assassinations. Starting off the second half of our list, actress Sharon Tate. Tate was an actress and model known for her performance in Valley of the Dolls. She was at home with friends on August 8, 1969, when they were all murdered by followers of Charles Manson. It was shocking enough that the murder took place at all, but the brutality shook the country. Tate herself was stabbed 16 times. Wow. First of all, I'm glad this is on here because I assumed you had to have it. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, there's no way that's not on here. But the brutality of this one is truly next level. It's strange because we were talking about how in number seven with OJ, it was like, that is so personal. Uh, If you walked into this murder, I feel like you would think that it was personal because of the brutality. Yeah, you've, and it's like she was pregnant. It just has so much, so many layers of awful to it. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like they run a little bit parallel to each other because this is another one where you kind of, recognize the anniversary of when this happened and there's so many references and it's another one that people want to go see the place where it happened Mm -hmm. that movies have been made tv shows you can reference charles manson and this is the first thing you're going to think of is the sharon tate labianca murders exactly that's what you're going to think of first exactly well let's get into it there are many theories as to why these murders were committed with many also wondering to what extent charles manson was actually even involved Time reported that Manson had ordered the murders, which was also the timeline that came out in the trial. But Manson's own version was that his followers orchestrated the entire thing and that he was only involved in a passive way. Yeah, we should totally believe him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we should believe literally anything that Charlie says. Very credible source. So (laughs) the only thing we should have believed that he said was when he asked to please stay in jail. Exactly. Excuse me, prison. That's the only thing that we should do to listen to him. And retroactively, I wish we could do that. Yeah. Manson reportedly said, I didn't have nothing to do with killing those people. They knew I didn't have anything to do with it. That's untrue. <laughs> That's like super duper untrue. And I not true. I would love to talk to somebody who does think that that is true just to hear their side of events or their, their version of it. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm definitely not going to believe it, but like, I will 100% listen to it. I just, 
There's no way he yeah, didn't no. have any knowledge or any involvement in this. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Come this, on. The entire thing, like... It, it's the family. It just you can't tell make, me that you're not involved. It doesn't make any sense. Well, one fact we do know for sure is Charles Manson wanted to be a rock star. He sure did. And the previous owner of the house where Tate was living was Terry Melcher, a music producer who had refused to make a record with Manson. So, so coincidental. That's so crazy. Weird. Whoa. Now, some people believe that's who Manson sent his minions to kill that night, not knowing Melcher did not live there anymore, which... Yep. That makes perfect sense. It makes absolute perfect sense because why would he know that he doesn't live there anymore? There's no, it's not like you can Google it. It's not like there's he's online right. looking at news articles that's like, oh, this house just went for sale. And Charlie wasn't know. in the know about anything. He was living on Spawn Ranch, he like an old movie place. As far as he knows, that's the guy who lives there. Yeah, the let's end. mess with him. Yeah. Now, one prosecutor argued that Manson was also obsessed with the Beatles' White Album and thought its message was that he should start a race war by framing innocent black people for crimes against affluent white people, which is crazy. Isn't that insane? It's so crazy about that, like, because I listen to that album all the time. Of course. And and you don't get that message? I I definitely can't say that's ever come across my mind. But you look at the facts here and it's like it does kind of make sense that he would yeah and charlie was on like a lot of acid and belladonna Belladonna and stuff like that dude was taking things in now the race war was nicknamed helter skelter after the song and the fact that the word pig was written on the wall at the crime scene in blood was linked to the track piggies Ah. which i will never listen to that song the same no way sharon tate was 26 years old and eight and a half months pregnant at the time of her death I didn't even, I forgot she was only 26 years old. And eight, eight and, a and a half, half months, months pregnant. pregnant. Oh. And her fiance, or I don't, was she married to Roman Polanski? Yeah. He was away at the time. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. He was like across the world mm-hmm. at the time. I can't imagine. That night, Charles Manson's right-hand man, Tex Watson, and three others parked their car further down the driveway. They then scaled an embankment to the right of the gates. Watson was able to crawl through a window into the house, then let two of the others in through the front door while the fourth kept watch outside. We're not going to go into the details of the murders, but they were gruesome and they put the country on edge because they weren't caught for a little bit, too. That's the other crazy part of this. And and nobody knew if this was random or if this was going to happen to everyone on that block or were you safe down the hill? Were you safe on... through this gated community like what's gonna happen right and at first i don't even think they connected the labianca murders with the tate murders yeah i don't think they connected them completely it took a little bit yeah yeah we actually covered this on morbid i think in two parts and pretty early on but yeah that's it's i think the fact that charles manson is looked at as a serial killer and called a serial killer is always the thing that bothers me with this stuff yeah because i think i mean cult leader is really the accurate that description is of title. him. I agree with you. And these, I feel like the family almost gets lost in the, in the translation there. And it's like these are brutal, evil murderers. And it's yeah. like people don't even know their names. I know like, it's that's so crazy. true. And people don't even know all the uh, victims' names here. I you know a lot of people only know Sharon Tate. They don't know any of the other nicknames, or the other uh, names of victims. I know that is so sad. So it's a it's a strange case. It's weird sense. how the murderers and the family get way more notoriety than the people that and were killed. Act, and there's so many people that were killed in this. Four. Landing at number four this week is Biggie Smalls. We talked about this case in our Mysterious Musicians Deaths episode because, to this day, no one knows who pulled the trigger. Or so it's said. But we do know that in March 1997, rapper and songwriter Christopher Wallace, also known as the Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, or just Biggie, was shot to death while sitting in a car at a red light in Los Angeles. Okay, number one, I'm pretty sure you also had this in Mysterious Musicians' Deaths. I think I did, yeah. And number two, the fact that you still have it now, I'm I'm very upset. Were you waiting for this one, though? I, I was waiting yeah. for Biggie, but there's still somebody else that I'm waiting for. I bet. As The Sun puts it, Biggie, quote, is considered one of the greatest rappers of all time due to his distinctive laid-back lyrical delivery and often grim content. Hell Yeah. Tupac had been killed six months prior, and Biggie had been paranoid he might be killed too. 
This was during the East Coast, West Coast hip hop feud era. This, this era just seems not even real. It doesn't, and think about it, like they were living in a, like a lifestyle where they didn't know if they would be killed at any moment. Oh yeah, there was shootings all the time back then. And just for this like feud, like serious, like that revolves better? around like music and a business and the industry like it's so crazy it also just revolves around where you like come from yeah like what coast you're on like that's crazy to me but it must have been such a scary way to live like they have all this money they have whatever they need but it's like if you're living that way like are you really living no it's that would be too much for me now just days before he was shot biggie gave an interview where he mentioned he had hired a security detail the night of his murder, he was sitting in the front passenger seat when a car drove up next to them while they were stopped at a red light and opened fire. He was hit by four bullets, but his autopsy showed that only the final shot was fatal. I hate that detail. I, I hate, hate it that so much. I really do. And no one was ever prosecuted, which opens that Pandora's box of theories as to who did it and why. Many believe Suge Knight, the CEO of Death Row Records, had something to do with it. Or even rapper Sean Combs, aka Diddy, was the mastermind. We could probably have an entire countdown of like who killed Biggie right? and another one of who killed Tupac. Just a discussion of the whole thing. That theory says that after seeing how well Tupac's posthumous album did, he wanted the same for Biggie's upcoming album, ironically named Life After Death. Life Isn't is a, that interesting? Yeah, because life is a simulation. It really is. These two cases make me believe that life is a simulation. <laughs> These cases get me hyped. Because life after... I mean, come on. Well, so he hired gang members. This is part of the theory. So he hired gang members to shoot Biggie. Diddy's former bodyguard believes this one. Wow. Which is like, what? That's... I didn't know that. That is crazy. Another popular conspiracy theory is that he actually isn't dead. I don't believe that. No matter what you think is the truth, he was only 24 when he was killed and was loved that much by fans. It's hard not to think what could have been. I feel like rap music and hip hop as a genre today would have been so different. Think of it, because 24. Yeah. 24. And also, he has so much left. I know there's so many conspiracies that say that Biggie's still alive, but I do not believe that at all because he and his mom were so close. He yeah. never would have like, and if you watch any interviews with her, like her pain is so real. Yeah, I get that. And you just don't feel like he would have. He wouldn't have left her. her. He wouldn't have done that to her. Oh, that hurts my heart. Yeah. Three. Number three on our countdown of shocking celebrity assassinations is Selena. Referred to as the queen of Tejano music, she was one of the most celebrated Mexican-American entertainers of the late 20th century. Still is, to be honest. About two weeks before her 24th birthday on March 31st, 1995, she was shot and killed by Yolanda Saldivar, her friend and former manager of her boutiques. This case, man. Oh, this case makes this me is so angry. Also, I'm totally going to watch this movie tonight. Oh, yeah. This is a case that we can describe as devastating as much as shocking. 24 years old, talented, loved. Who would expect her to have enemies, much less someone wanting to kill her? when you find out who is the killer, it's, I, I can't. I remember I watched this movie for the first time when I was maybe like seven or eight years old, like way too young to watch it. <laughs> and obviously I didn't know the case back yeah. then. And I was like, it was Yolanda? <laughs> like what? Like I was shook. As Marie Claire reminds us, she made history at the 1994 Grammys by becoming the first female Tejano artist to win Best Mexican American Album, was the first Latin artist to have an album debut at number one on the Billboard 200, and with approximately 30 million records sold wow. worldwide, is credited with bringing Tejano music into the mainstream. Like, she was doing the damn thing. Oh, yeah. She, uh, another one, and I know we keep saying I this, was just going to say it. But think about now. Think about in 2021, what would have what would have been. It, it, 
just because of like some of the people on this list music like i said in the last one could have just been so different oh it would have been so much better not that music is like bad but, but it would have been you're like so right it could have so been so much fuller so much better. so much better there's so much room to grow and evolve and i think they would have been such a part of it yeah and just like the world itself would have been so much cooler yeah. if they had stuck around oh Yolanda was a close friend of Selena, who worked as president of her fan club and the manager of her boutiques, but there were some complaints that Yolanda was uh, bad at her job, and as it turns out, she was really bad. Yeah, you'd say that. Yolanda had embezzled more than $30,000 from the boutiques and fan club per the Washington Post. $30,000. How do you even do that? I don't even know. That must have taken a long time. Let's not find out. Yeah, let's not. Well, Selena confronted Yolanda at a hotel asking her to show documents that could disprove the accusations, which, um, yeah, that's fair. If $30,000 uh, yeah. is missing and I think you're because you're the reason for that, yeah. I'm going to ask you. Of course. As Selena left the hotel, Yolanda took out a handgun and shot her. Selena was actually able to get herself into the hotel lobby to cry for help and quickly collapsed. I can't imagine the strength it would have taken to get yourself to the hotel lobby after being shot. Ugh. And didn't she, I think she tried to like say something when she got there. Like I think she did. I think you're right. Ugh. Well, she was pronounced dead on arrival at Corpus Christi Memorial Hospital. Yolanda tried to run because she stinks. Uh, she had a nine hour standoff with the police and the FBI, but ultimately she was arrested, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. Good. Selena's funeral was attended by over 40,000 fans. Oh. So, so many people loved her. She was her. so beloved. Her murder is also credited with the creation of People in Espanol, Newsweek in Espanol, and Latina Magazine after showing the size of the Hispanic news market. So, she did have an impact. I was going to say. Huge impact. Look what she already did. She wasn't even 24 years old and look what she already did. So crazy at 23 years old, the things that she was doing. Well, Selena's legacy lived on with a movie, recently a Netflix series, and in her hometown of Corpus Christi, there's a statue and festival celebrations held. Oh, I love that, but I hate what it took. I do too. I hate this whole story. And again, this is another one that you remember when it happened and it was like, what? Wow, how? Most of these, I'm like, that's not number one? I know. <laughs> what is number one? I I know I'm going to I'm gonna hear your number one. I'm going to be like, why did I not think of that? I know it. Well, okay, so I have an idea. Like, I, I feel like I know what number two is, but then your last one threw me off because I'm like, if that one was on there, the other one has to be. And I don't have the other person that I was thinking, so. I think it's exactly who you are hoping it's going to be. Okay. My number two. Okay, let's find out. Let's see. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like UGG, Samsung, and Expedia. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use. And you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. That's Rakuten. Icy Hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast, heat makes it last. Icy Hot. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of shocking celebrity assassinations. At number two is Tupac. Ah. Tupac is considered by many to be one of the most influential rappers of all time. While in Vegas on September 7th, 1996, he was shot four times in a drive-by shooting. He died six days later, but the shooter was never captured or identified. Two years before his death, there was a failed attempt by two armed men to kill Tupac at a Manhattan recording studio. Tupac blamed the attack on Sean Combs, a.k.a. Diddy, Puff Daddy at the time. 
and Biggie Smalls. Do you see all the names floating around? I might be wrong, but I think this is when their huge beef started oh, with really? each other. Because Tupac and Biggie were actually cool with each other at one point. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I did know that. But yeah, I don't know a ton about this. So. Well, so after this attack, Biggie released Who Shot Ya? Oh. But it was like, I don't think Biggie meant No, to. but I think it was like just part of the whole thing. Just a weird coincidence. Well, cut to Vegas on September 7th, 1996, and Tupac is in the passenger seat of a car driven by Suge Knight. The most terrifying Again, man alive. We're not getting any new names in here. It's all no. the same names floating around here. It's kind of weird. This was such like a circle of people. Yeah. And it seems like if there's all these same names floating around everywhere... Someone knows something. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, just saying. it was more like a Venn diagram of people because there was definitely Overlap. two separate circles, but definitely overlap. There was definitely some overlapping. The car with Tupac in it stops at an intersection. A white Cadillac pulls up beside them and out comes a semi-automatic pistol. Oh, that's so terrifying. And a semi-automatic pistol did not like open the door and walk out, by the way. This is not what we're saying, in case that's what you were thinking. I don't I realized that might have been how that sounded. I, I didn't but, hear it like that, but no, maybe, maybe I did someone did. Head. And I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> well, this is where it gets really grim. Twelve shots were fired in total, and four hit Tupac. And I don't know if you remember. But that's the same number of shots that hit Biggie. That's eerie. That's really eerie. His death was a clear murder, most believed driven by the East Coast-West Coast rivalry between him and Biggie. Tupac was 25 when he died. Biggie was considered a suspect, but was also murdered six months later, as we covered earlier. It's so easy to forget that these are young, young men. Yeah, dude, Tupac was my age right now. 25 and 26, like, that's because I obviously knew it at one point, but thinking about it now as like a 35-year-old, I'm like, what? Yeah, well, like, they, they definitely carried themselves as older. Like, they yeah. came off as older. Well, now I'm like, you are 10 years younger than me. Right. That's crazy to me. Well, like Biggie, the murder is still officially unsolved, but with many conspiracy theories surrounding it. This is where it gets interesting. Many think he faked his death, and there have been multiple reports of people apparently seeing him. Another is gang-related revenge. Tupac was tied to the Bloods, who rivaled the Crips. The story is Tupac and his bodyguards beat up Crips member Orlando Anderson, and his murder was retaliation. Rapper Keefe D eventually came forward and confessed to playing a part in the shooting. He says he was in the car with the shooter, but refused to give a name. So is he taking the fall for someone, or...? Why would that? Why? I don't know if he just like wanted to be associated with it, but like I don't like really a clout believe, thing. I, like that's, I think it might be a clout thing. Really? That's so wow. Okay. I don't think he was there personally. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't say. I mean, me either. Sounds nuts. But there is a huge legacy here. Tupac has still sold over 75 million albums, making him one of the top-selling artists of all time. And it makes you wonder again. I know we keep saying this. What could have been, if this rivalry didn't happen between especially Tupac and Biggie, what could have been? Yeah, dude, what if they stayed friends? What if friends? they came together again and made more music together? That would be probably one of the best albums of all time. Where I need to ask you first, Where what theory do you subscribe to? Okay, so first... I think I know. I go so back and forth with this because sometimes I'm like, no, I feel like Tupac is still alive. But then another part of me is like, but why would he give up his music career? But then another part of me is like, Tupac was literally like a genius. He was so smart. So I don't know if maybe he, I don't, I just don't know. know, Maybe. Yeah. I think, I think he knows something we don't know. So you think he's still around? I, I lean that way. I think I'd like to believe he's still around. I don't know enough about it to, to really say, it sounds like pretty cut and dry the way it happened that there was like some beef happening somewhere. Yeah. You just don't know which direction the beef was coming from. There's a lot more sightings of Tupac than there are. Like some people think Biggie's still alive, obviously, oh, yeah. but there's a lot more Tupac sightings. And I've Tupac's autopsy those. does not look like him. It's like a Marilyn Monroe kind of autopsy. Yeah, that one's wild. I'm like, that's not <laughs> that's Tupac. really crazy. I don't know. One. 
And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 shocking celebrity assassinations. John Lennon. Oh! I know. Are you so mad? I'm so mad. I know. What wasn't John Lennon by the time he was killed? He was a singer, a songwriter, a musician, an activist, a father, a husband, an icon. But it all came to an end on December 8th, 1980, when he was shot and killed outside of his Manhattan apartment building by Mark David Chapman. Obviously, he was the lead singer of the Beatles in his prime, but Lennon had turned to solo projects and was working with his wife, Yoko Ono, by this time. He was really into preaching about peace in the world. Three days before his death, Lennon gave an interview where he said, Give peace a chance, not shoot people for peace. All we need is love. I believe in it. Oof. So eerie. Chills. Like he had no idea three days later. A couple days before the murder, Mark David Chapman traveled to New York City from Hawaii, telling his wife he needed to find himself. But instead, he made a short list of celebs he wanted to kill, including John Lennon. Now let's go to December 8th. That morning, photographer Annie Leibovitz was at John Lennon's apartment to take photos for the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Later, he and Yoko Ono left for some work at a recording studio. On his way out to the car, a fan approached him to sign a copy of his album, Double Fantasy. While Lennon signed it, someone took a picture of it happening. So now there exists a picture of John Lennon signing an autograph for his killer just hours before he was shot. This photo haunts me. I cannot believe it, is, it exists. The I fact really that it exists is terrifying. And you can see, like, you can barely even see Mark David Chapman's eyes, but you can tell that they're evil. And you, I don't know what it is about his face, but he's got this, like, weird little grin on his face. And he's... Like, because John Lennon's just in the foreground, just, you know, like, like focus, happily signing the autograph for him, looking down at the autograph. And you can see Mark David Chapman, like his eyes are like shooting daggers at the autograph, like yeah, just watching him do it. And you can tell he's just so intense. And there's just a lot of, there's something in his face. I don't know what it is, but when you look at it with hindsight, you're like, Ooh, something's off. And it's just so like yucky to me that he was like, hey, sign this autograph and then I'm going to. We'll get into it. Yeah. Ugh. So after signing the album, John Lennon and Yoko Ono head off to the studio. Around 1045, Lennon returned home to his building, the Dakota, where Chapman was still waiting. No. Lennon walks towards his building entrance and Chapman pulls out a 38 handgun and fires five shots at the musician. Just on his way into his home. Lennon was hit four times. Another person shot four times on this oh, list. Oh, that's weird. He was shot in the back and the chest. Ooh, four times. What? I didn't know that. Like, I didn't put all that together. It's until like the now. 27 Club. That's freaky. Yeah, that's strange. Lennon collapsed in front of the vestibule of the Dakota. He was rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, but was dead on arrival. And when police arrived at the Dakota, Mark David Chapman was still there, just reading his copy of The Catcher in the Rye. That is so lame. It's the lamest thing ever. Like, like Holden Caulfield was like what? Like an 18-year-old kid? Yeah. And, and you're really like, taking really, so much inspiration from it? Come on. He was also a tool. He was a tool, so not cool. He had also signed the book with This Is My Statement. Oh, okay. Like, And then they took uh, The Catcher in the Rye like off of school lists and stuff. And it's, I know, like, and it's like, don't. It's still a good book. And also the book like has literally nothing to do with this. Yeah, It's he, like taking like music away from people who do terrible things. And it's like, no. Right. Like, they, nothing makes someone do this. Like, they choose to do this. Exactly. Now, ABC sportscaster Howard Cassell interrupted the Monday night football game that night to deliver the news. As news spread, tons of fans showed up to the Dakota and filled the streets. Tom Brook from the BBC was there at the Dakota the day Lennon was killed. He recently recalled that day, and he wrote, I will never forget one young woman who said, I feel like I've just been punched in the stomach. That like area in front of the Dakota where it all happened, they have like in the park in New York, they have like a big memorial to him. That's mm -hmm. it's it just says imagine and people leave like tons of flowers and all kinds of like trinkets around it. And there's like tons of pictures of it. But going to it is really like, ugh, because you can like it's just around the spot. So it's like it would be heavy. It's very heavy. I just got chills as you were describing. Yeah. That. Now, let's talk about the motive. Chapman was a fan, but also apparently didn't like John Lennon's views on God. And it's believed that this was the motive for the murder. Not 
there's no reason for murder. Ever. But that's not agreeing with someone's views about religion is definitely not a reason to murder them. Well, and it's like, dude, his whole thing was like peace and love. And How do you not agree with that? And if you believe in God and he doesn't or what, whatever, like, let it go. Well, and this was his problem. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Well, he didn't like that Lenin preached peace, but had millions. And it's like, rich people can't be peaceful because they have money? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's just, you're reaching. He was particularly upset about Lenin reportedly saying that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Well, that's a joke. Like, have a sense of humor. Please get over it. Like, please move on. Ridiculous. And Chapman later said, he told us to imagine no possessions. And there he was with millions of dollars and yachts and farms and country estates laughing at people like me who had believed the lies and bought the records and built a big part of their lives around his music. Dude, that's on you. Also, (laughs) when did he laugh at you? And also like, so just don't listen to him anymore. Right, exactly. Take away the, but here's your power. You don't buy the record. You don't listen to him. You don't give him any, if you don't like him, that's fine. You don't agree with him preaching peace and no possessions while having all this stuff. All right, fair. So don't listen to him. Right, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, it just didn't need to be taken to that level. People don't need to take things into their own hands. That's when things like this happen. Just remove yourself from the experience. That's all. Seriously. Easy peasy. Well, luckily, Chapman was just denied parole for the 11th time 40 years after killing Lennon. During his hearing, he said he shot him for glory. Cool. It's like, you, and you think you're going to get parole? Yeah, it's like, that's not going to do it. No, I don't think so. ABC News reported that one of the commissioners said, you called it glory and some might call it infamy. To which Chapman replied, infamy brings glory. It's like, stop letting him say things. And I feel like he's just like, infamy brings glory. Yeah, he's just one of like, Before denying the parole, the commissioner stated, during the interview, you stated you committed this murder to seek glory. You said infamy brings you glory. This panel finds your statement disturbing. Your actions represented an evil act. The fact that today, almost 40 years later, you can still speak of what you did as something that you felt was a positive and in your mind gave you glory at the time is disturbing for this panel. They're like, oh, infamy brings you glory? Well, we're going to give you more prison time. So Yeah, so that's a wrap. (laughs) How'd that work out for you? It's, I can't. Chapman apologized for what he did and said, I assassinated him because he was very... Very, very famous. Definitely number one. It is. Definitely number one. And it is so infuriating to listen to all of these. All of these people had way more art to give the world. And that's what's sad. It is really sad. That's a really sad part. One of these people um, who would have brought like so much art to the world that wasn't on this list. Who? Gianni Versace. Oh. Are you kidding me? Good call. I am so upset at the podcast research cut. Do you know me? Do you? I love Versace. Versace. I love Versace. Knock, knock. Parcast research gods. What's up? What is up? What is up? I just can't. I could not believe that he wasn't on here. I thought he was going to be number two. But then after you did Biggie, I was like, well, Tupac has to be on here. And then I was like, I have number one. So is there another number one? Mm-mm, and then there, there isn't. And then there wasn't. Wow, that's a good one. And then also, maybe Princess Diana? Maybe. Like, that's, I know there's a lot of like... You know, a lot of controversy and conspiracy stuff around her death, but well, like she was assassinated. I'm, I'm here. Watch, here I am. Watch a documentary. I'm here. Like here I am, saying she was assassinated, and she was definitely a celebrity. She was Princess Di. Yeah, come on. I don't know. Those are two big Ooh, misses. Two big ones. Do but we then again, need a part two? I don't know. I was gonna say I feel like we need a part two because I don't want like anybody to think that these people shouldn't be on the list. That's the thing. We either needed like 12 or we need part two. Yeah. Because they all belong. We just, those two are missed. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, you can follow at Morbid Podcast on Instagram and at a Morbid Podcast on Twitter. 
And keep it weird until Monday. But definitely not this weird. Never this weird. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerline. Research by Rachel Melenkoff. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash and Elena Urquhart. Hi there, it's Alastair from Parcast. You may have heard of the Somerton Man, Azaria Chamberlain, or the Wonder Beach Murders. But do you know the whole terrifying truth? Be sure to check out my new series, Crime Down Under, where we travel to the land down under to explore the most shocking true crime cases in Australian history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Crime Down Under, and catch a new episode every Sunday, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.